Good morning, church. I hope you are doing well. I am glad you are here today with me to get into God's Word and to see what He has in store for us today. We will be having communion at the end of the service, so if you need to go get things prepared, uh, I'll wait right here, and uh, we'll have uh, an opening prayer, and you'll be back. So, Father God, we just thank you for this, this day. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for your servants. Uh, Father, we just thank you for being present in our lives. We just ask that your Holy Spirit stares our hearts and makes us... Uh, come to fire for you, Father. We just thank you for your willingness to be in our lives, your willingness to show us the way, Father. So as your words go out this morning, Father, may they just touch ears and hearts that are willing and um, able, Father, to take, take your message farther than it is today. And it's in Christ's name. Amen. So we will be going through some of the verses from the book of Acts. As our small group was meeting just before the summer, we were into the book of Acts. And so I'm going to take verses from multiple book or multiple chapters of, uh, of the book and um, we're going to go through them. So in the opening part is a commentary. It says, with a flick of the fingers, friction occurs and a spark leaps from a match to a tender. A small flame burns the edges and grows fueled by wood and air. Heat builds, and soon the kindling are licked by orange-red tongues. Higher and wider it spreads, consuming the wood. The flame has become a fire. Two thousand years ago, a match was struck in Palestine. At first, just a few in that corner of the world were touched and warmed by, by the fire. But the fire spread beyond Jerusalem and Judea out to the world to all people. Acts provides an eyewitness account of the flame and the fire, the birth and the spread of the church, beginning in Jerusalem with a small band of disciples. The message traveled across the Roman Empire. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, this courageous band preached, taught, healed, and demonstrated love in the synagogues, schools, homes, marketplaces, and courtrooms. They taught on the streets, on the hillsides, on ships, and on the desert roads. Wherever God sent them, lives and history were changed. This book was written by Luke as a sequel to his gospel. Acts is an accurate historical record of the early church, but Acts also is a theological book with lessons and living examples of the work of the Holy Spirit, church relations and organization, the implications of grace and the law of love. This book of, of Acts is of building a strong case for Jesus and his claims and promises. As I think of all the challenges we have gone through during this pandemic, way back when it started, all the things we had to give up, all the time we spent apart from the people we loved, our friends, our co-workers, many lost their jobs or reduced hours, some were fortunate to be able to work from home, some like myself never missed a shift, but then we had to worry about getting in contact with someone who had the virus and the worry of bringing it home. And how about this new style we have? Face masks, gloves, shields, and even a full body suit. They are things that have changed. The sacrifices that the frontline workers had to endure, but life went on as it will. And through this, God was working. And this morning, we are going to go into this book of Acts and kind of see how things went down when life changed for people. How God took situations of trouble hardships, death, 
imprisonments, uprooting of families, not just from their homes, but from their villages and cities. How the Holy Spirit was building strong relationships by the eyewitnessing of His life-changing power. We see how the followers of Jesus turned this world upside down. And I will start here and hopefully end where we are today, or have been on this journey for the last seven-ish months. And this is where uh, this journey of troubled times starts. First, Jesus came, and they were all joyful that Christ had come, they thought, to overthrow the Roman Empire. Then they lost it, this joy, when Christ went to the cross. But then they got it back when they seen him alive after the resurrection. And then to see him leave again, but this time a promise to send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, in this, gave his apostles this great commission to go and make disciples, followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he had to go so the Holy Spirit could come. In Acts 1, 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as you think of that, we are the ends of the earth. If we look back and see where it started, the Holy Spirit worked way over to here. So the Holy Spirit came, and they were filled, and their spirits ran wild. They could not be stopped. You see, if Jesus had stayed on earth, his physical presence would have limited the spread of the gospel, because physically, he couldn't be everywhere at once. But after he was taken up, uh, up to heaven, he would be present everywhere through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent so God would be with and within his followers after Christ's return. The Holy Spirit would comfort them, guide them to know his truth, remind them of Jesus' words, give them the words to say, and fill them with power. The Holy Spirit would be the next great event in the life of the church. Many believe it to be the very birth of the church. When the Holy Spirit works, there is movement, excitement, and growth. He gives us the motivation, the energy, and the ability to get the gospel to the whole world. How are you fitting in to God's plan for expanding Christianity? What is your place in this movement? So right off the bat, we see where it could have all ended at the cross. But God used it as a building block for what was to come. We as believers have jumped on this COVID-19 virus. We have the Holy Spirit, which helps us through this time. But not that we won't get sick, but to lay down opportunities to share and to see the urgency of the times. He will give us what we need to share our life, our resources, our wisdom. So this time of trials, we can trust in God to see us through it. We read in Acts 2, 1-4, When the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The promise of Jesus came to them as he proclaimed it would. But after the trying time of saying goodbye to Jesus one more time, 
their faith in God remained. What are we to say about that today? Some will say, well, that was just for the times. It's not present for today. The Holy Spirit is still working today. So this opportunity to receive this Holy Spirit is still here. Would I, at that time, and not 2,000 years of examples before me, would I have had the faith to stay put? Or would I have packed it up and went back to where I was from? Then we see in Acts 2, 42-47, the fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods they gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. How much of this scripture tears at your heart? How much does it pull you away from God instead of getting you closer to God? Can we say that for the time it was relevant is where is your faith is it where it hits the rubber hits the road or is where your faith hits the stop sign are we going to believe that God is in control or are we just going to let him in a little bit this again is where trials and faith clash are you at the junction of your life where you can't see the big picture of what God's plans are for your life? Be like the early church and have faith that He is in control. Reach out to Him and He will not let you down. So let's move on a little later into Acts 4, 3. We see that Peter and John were before the Sadducees, and who were members of a small but powerful Jewish religious sect that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They probably would gain financially by cooperating with the Romans. Uh, these priests, who might have been chief priests with special influences, and of course the captain of the guards, who were set around the temple to keep order. This is the audience for Peter and John. They did not know what to do with them. They could not see. They could see the courage as Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke to them, and that they were were unschooled, ordinary men. So they let them go, saying, Do not speak to anyone in this name. When they rejoined the group, they told them what had happened, and they raised their voices in prayer. And part of this believer's prayer in 42831 is, They did what your power and will have decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Sometimes we must stand up in the face of danger, even when our lives are at risk, to proclaim this message of hope, counting on the Holy Spirit to see us through it, and as we again see trial, then growth, strengthening the believers with their witnessing. 
So in verse 5, 17, it says, Then the high priest and all his associates were members of a party of secretaries, Sagittarius were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of their jail and brought them out. So go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. And if we remember back that Paul was, when they were sharing, it was the whole message. It wasn't part of the message. It was everything that Christ had offered them. And so they did. The priests sent for them, and they were told they were not where they left them, even though it was as they left it. The guards who found them brought them back to appear before the Sanhedrin and were told that they were given strict orders not to preach his name. In verse 29-32, the apostles respond with, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you have killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that we might give repentance and forgiveness of the sins of Israel. We are witness of these, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. A few verses later, we see the Pharisees who were strict keepers of the law. Uh, a teacher of the law who had respect among the people gave a lesson of the history of the past about people that had been involved in starting raising particular disorder amongst the people. And he said to this, he said in verse 38-42, Therefore, in the present case I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and then had them flogged. It's like whipping. And then they ordered them again not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then the apostles left the Sanhedrin, get this, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Again, we see the church growing, how God has taken this opportunity to build his church. Have you ever thought of persecution as a blessing? as something worth rejoicing about. And this was the first time any of the apostles were physically abused for their faith. They knew how Jesus had suffered, and they praised God that he allowed them to be persecuted like their Lord. Now we get into chapter 8, and we see Saul getting into the picture. In verse 1 it says, On the, great, or the day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And in verse 3 it says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This was fulfilling the second part of Jesus' command. This persecution helped spread the gospel. Persecution forced believers out of their homes, and along the way went the gospel. Sometimes we must become uncomfortable before we will move. 
We may not want to experience it, but discomfort may be the best thing for us because God may be working through our hurts. When we are tempted to complain about uncomfortable or painful circumstances, stop and ask if God might be preparing you for a special task. Then we go to the conversion of Saul in chapter 9. Saul looking to stretch his reach, he was on his way to Damascus, where there on the road God changed his life 180 degrees, and also the world. He had an encounter with Jesus that made him look at himself in a way where he thought he was doing God's work to a, a way that he realized he wasn't. Then he went blind, and then he was taken to a house. Then God told Ananias, a believer, to go to him and respond, and he responded by asking God, Do you know who this man is? Talk about getting out of your comfort zone. But he trusted God and did what was asked. Ananias went, and Saul was healed from his loss of sight and received the Holy Spirit and got baptized. No person apart from Jesus shaped the history of Christianity like the Apostle Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. His frenzied persecution of the Christians following Stephen's death got the church started in obeying Christ's final command to take the gospel worldwide. Paul's personal encounter with Jesus changed his life. He, but he never lost his fierce intensity, but from then on, it was channeled for the gospel. We must not limit God's work by being lacking in faith. We must obey and follow God's leading, even when he leads us to difficult people and difficult places. We see in chapter 10, again, Peter went to the house to Cornelius, a centurion. His family were devoted to God and gave, those to, gave to those in need. Cornelius had a vision, and Peter had a vision, kind of about each other. So Cornelius sent for Peter, and he came. Here we see again God sending someone into a place they were not comfortable with, because Peter, being a Jew, was breaking a whole lot of Jewish laws. But in his vision, he saw that God didn't show favoritism, and at that moment, Peter had an eager audience, and he couldn't hold back the message. Have you been in that spot? Have you been sharing? And somebody's just eager to hear more and more. Do you find yourself opening up more? Or do you find yourself looking for reasons to leave the situation? God is using that moment to speak to somebody, but he's using that moment to speak to you because you will be encouraged as the one you are speaking to. And as he shared the gospel, God gave his overwhelming approval by filling that Roman family with the Holy Spirit. Peter saw he had no choice but to baptize them and welcome them as equals in the growing Christian church. Another step had been taken in carrying the gospel to the whole world. But even this event had its moments of displeasure. For when Peter arrived in Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him for entering a house of uncircumcised men and eating with them. But Peter went through his vision of the Lord sharing about unclean and the moment the Holy Spirit entered the room. In verse 11, 17, 
to 18, it said, So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And the church fire got bigger. Paul spent a lot of time convincing the Jews that the Gentiles were acceptable to God, but he even spent more time convincing the Gentiles that they were acceptable to God. Are you in that state now, believing in what others say about you? Or feeling you are not worth the effort or the love of God because of what you did or how you grew up or the laws of religion in your family, what they had or haven't? The price of Christ going to the cross to pay for your sins was to show you that you are worth it. That God has a purpose for you and that you will have a place in His family by accepting His Son as your Lord and Savior. You see, as for as bad as Paul was, he changed. And God did not waste any part of Paul. His background, his training, his citizenship, his mind, and even his weaknesses. Are you willing to let God do the same for you? You won't know what God can do through you until you give all of yourself to him. So as I come back around to the topic of pain and gain, the virus that has been hanging around for a while, it has made us change our point of view on things and how they get done. How we have to think outside the box even more than we were thinking outside the box before. How we have to take care of those who are, who are not able or watch those that are in too much risk of getting sick. How we have gotten the message out how we take advantage of technology that is available. This virus may have just been a wake-up call to the church. Are we real or just wannabes? Are we serious about the mission that God has laid at our feet? So some of the lessons that I got from these verses was that God is with us always. And he is using our situations to advance his kingdom. That the Holy Spirit is with us, within us, and gives us power and the endurance to get things done. And the urgency on getting the word out, again, has been made clear. Our mission field is closer than we thought. Yes, this virus has changed the playing field, but our God has not changed. He is in control. And he wants us to stand up through this painful time and praise him for showing us a way he can use us to get things done and to spread this hope of Christ to our families, our neighbors, and our co-workforce. So in closing, I would suggest that you read the book of Acts. Put yourself in the place of the disciples. Feel with them as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. The thrill as they watch people come to know the Lord. How we respond to the message. Sense their commitment as they give every ounce of talent and treasure to Christ. Watch the spirit-led boldness of these first century believers who through suffering and in the face of death 
took every opportunity to tell of their crucified and risen Lord. Then decide to be this century's version of those men and women of God. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that these words go forward, that we see the struggles and the even the deaths and the, the pain that believers had to go through, but they had the faith knowing that you were going to use them, the faith knowing that this word has to get out and that you were there with them. So as this message goes forward today, Father, I just ask that you would touch people's hearts, that they would open up to you, that they would make a commitment to you, Father, that they would realize you are the way, and that they would just accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as they do this, Father, they will sense and get this Holy Spirit that will encourage them and empower them to move forward so that no one, no one, doesn't know who your Son is and what He has to offer. So again, I thank you for today, Father. And I just think as we're going into this part of communion, Father, that you would just again Help us to be thankful that we be remembered or we remember the price that was paid for us, the willingness of your son to go to the cross for us, the pain that he went through so there would be a major gain in your family. Father, I just thank you now, and it's in Christ's name. So on the night that he was betrayed, get the camera, oops, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Take, eat. And likewise, I didn't move him closer. After the meal, the bread, he took the cup. And I always struggled with the cup. The bread is his broken body, but the blood that was shed always challenged me. It made it more, I guess, real, realizing the death of one for me. And if you can't grasp that, I can't. I can't understand it, but I know it to be true. So. Jesus said, this is my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink, eat. So I thank you for being with us this morning or this afternoon or this evening, depending on when you're watching this. Um, go into the book of Acts and just reread it and be lifted up knowing your life is special. You are not alone and God loves you. Thank you.